Hey, hey, coming in hot, hot, hot. Lisa shares her financial tips and strategies to build wealth, have fun with finances, and be debt-free without having a restrictive budget. From bankrupt to millionaire, Lisa knows what it's like to feel as if you're living paycheck to paycheck. Her unconventional money multiplier system is the very wealth protocol that enabled her to retire two and a half years early, pay down $100,000 of debt in six months, and move to her dream home at the beach. Welcome to this episode of I Date Money. Today we have the beautiful Crystal O'Connor. She is a three-time celebrity-endorsed author and the founder of Rich, Fit, and Happy. She is on a mission to teach wellness providers how to administer hormones correctly so that we can reverse menopause in women and feel better. And there's so many layers to this. I have lots of questions, Uh, but we've asked Crystal to come on our show today to share her journey of becoming six and seven figure earner and really understanding, you know, for those of you who are listening, how it's possible to not only earn six or seven figures, but to manage it in a way where it multiplies. So welcome, Crystal. Thank you so much for sharing this space with us and your story. I'm very excited to see um, where this conversation goes. Pre, pre-show, we I've got so much information. You're so fascinating. Um, so tell us, what was your earliest memory, your earliest childhood memory when it com- came to money, the very first time you were introduced to money? Okay. Well, thank you for having me on the show. I'm honored to be here. And I love talking about money. And I remember some of the first uh, stories. So I'm going to have to choose from one. But let me just tell you this funny story. And I think it's funny because we don't have newspapers anymore, really. And Mm -hmm. I had a newspaper route. And my brother actually had it. So I wasn't really a lot. I was treat. I I had two brothers and um, have two brothers. One passed away. But the one that is still living was just 12 months older than me. And he had a paper route. And I was, I did just as much work. I woke up at 4.30 in the morning in the cold and did just as much work. And I pulled the, uh, I was in, let's see, I was I was in the fifth grade. I don't know what age that is, but I remember being in the fifth grade. And I would pull the it was horrible as you can imagine, freezing outside. And I'm pulling these heavy paper um, newspapers on a sled in the snow. And, you know, I had my hat on, you know, sometimes it would be below zero. I'm not kidding. And we didn't have the kind of, you know, gear that they have now. I remember my dad that one particular day um, that it was below zero, he came up and pulled up in the station wagon and helped us. But so I didn't want to leave that part out. But Here's my point in saying all this. That was a lot of hard work. And ew, 4.30 in the morning to go out in the snow. And I was never hardly paid at all. Now, why would that be? So I even mentioned that in my book, actually. So I'm glad you asked this question because now I'm reflecting on it once again. So I remember him getting the money for it. And then I was like his little employee. And he... I remember him being at a store, I think it was called Kay's Merchandise, and he was purchasing something, and I wanted something, and I said, well, can I have something? And they said, well, it costs this much, that'll be part of your pay or all of your pay. And I and so I got the 
very, and I didn't argue about it. It just, it was what it was. But in those instances, I got very, um, I got the message very clearly that I'm the girl and he is the boy. And there is a difference with money with regard to that. And so I was entrepreneurial in that I would go, I would make up ways to go make money. We didn't, I wasn't given money at home. It's just not something that happened, but I would, I would come up with little ways to make my own money. And I don't know if you want me to get into that, but I do think it absolutely hundred percent affected me. Yeah, absolutely. It was almost as if I didn't deserve. So I got the message that I didn't deserve as much. Um, You know, we, we come up when we're younger, we come up with the reasons in our mind. And the reason I mm-hmm. think was because I was a girl and I was a year younger, but still not that much younger. Right. Right. So that was my first memory of money. Um, it, there wasn't a lot of it. I didn't deserve it. So I think the message was you don't deserve as much, but you uh-huh. will work just as hard. Yeah. That's a very strong message and very impressionable. And it was very true as well. Cause I know, you know, I worked at social security administration for 30 years and I saw lots of people's salaries and I would see the, you know, the discrepancy in men's salary versus, and I started off as a paralegal and like we, I was the cutting edge of the paralegal because before that it was legal secretaries. So all the attorneys, like there was such disparity with the the female versus the male. And then, you know, as the years goes, we got into the late nineties, it started changing a bit. So it's, it's amazing how that, that impression happened at such a young age, yeah. but hearing those words, I mean, I could just feel that like, Oh, that sense of, well, wait a minute, I'm going to change these things. So yes, I want to hear more about you said that you found ways to make money. So tell us what it, what, Oh my God, obviously was your money story. Okay. So I cleaned houses. I remember that. Um, and that kind of fell into my lap and I was like, yeah. And I remember me cleaning houses for money. And I remember I would take, I wouldn't have a set, like, please pay me this. I would take whatever they gave me. Now, looking back, where did that come from? Well, it came from the other experiences that I had, right? I'll take whatever. And I remember raking leaves. I would literally go around asking if I could rake someone's yard. And I remember my mother asking me, how much did you take from that Mrs. So-and-so? And Mm -hmm. I remember it being $7. And she said, you give two of those dollars back. Oh, wow. Oh, no. I I didn't ask why. I just did it. And I remember the uncomfortableness from the woman. I said, "Um, I want to, I'm supposed to give this back to you. And she says, why? And I remember feeling that she didn't want to take it. She wanted me to have that money. But I felt shameful. I didn't, I was confused with the feelings that I should be having right there. I, you know, like I didn't want her to feel like I was ungrateful, but I also wanted her to know that I, that part of what I was doing was volunteer. It was a big, a confusing mess, but yeah. it wasn't explained to me by, what, by my mother, why I was doing it. So I was left to just come up with my own reasons. And, um, that affected me. I remember, um, Selling. Okay. So uh, I may, would make these, <laughs> you're, bringing up, you're bringing up memories. Like I haven't talked about this for you. I don't remember if I saw this, someone else doing it. I can't remember what it was, or it was a craft store. Anyway, I would make these yarn um, 
spice rack type of things. Like you put spices in it and it smelled good and you can put your little spices in it and you can hang it in your kitchen. I would make as many as I could and then sell them from door to door. And I remember feeling ashamed for asking the price that I was. And so by the time I'd hit the doorbell and I would want to ask for a certain amount and then I would bring it down. So see, even back then I was really stressing about the worthiness of my product and the word. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Was it macrame? Was it, a it, macrame? Was, it was very much like it, but it was yarn, but yes, the, some of the tie. Yes. I yeah. had fun. I had fun doing that. Yeah. Yeah. So you've had the entrepreneurial gene since you were little and you, yeah. you put a lot of thought and effort into it. It's amazing. I mean, we, I used to be an Avon independent rep. We used to oh, I would have loved before. the, per- I would have <laughs> loved that. I, I didn't even know that was possible for a younger person though. Come to think of it. Yeah. Um, I think you started, I don't know if it's 16 or 18 or whatever, but I'm, my kids used to come with me and like, we'd have, you know, the boxes, they'd have to help carry the boxes into yeah. the, we used to deliver it back then in the early nineties. Um, but you know, the, the, they would help me hang the little, um, books around, you know, the yeah. doorknobs and things like that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, the things we used to do <laughs> and who knew you're a little entrepreneurial, right? So right. yeah, just the, the devaluing of your hard work and feeling, where do you think that came from? Like with the memories, like, you know, usually that comes from our parents modeling for us unbeknownst to them. They create it. You know, I call it the generational curse because their parents taught them somehow. Yeah. So who, who do you think was the dominant? Like, you know, you think about scarcity abundance mindset. My mother. Like, definitely your mom, huh? Yeah. So yeah. And recognize. And I, now. I, I don't know what that was in her exactly. I, I can't sit and kind of analyze that or speculate on that very well. I just know that it came from her. Mm-hmm. And she would, there was a distinct, well, and, and in a lot of ways, my brothers were treated different than me. And I think that was just how things were back then. Yeah. The, um, what changed your, like you've changed your thought process around saying like, no, I'm an entrepreneur. This product is valuable. This is the price. When was the first time that clicked for you and you started to really confidently showcase the results that you had. I think that there were many years, I think there were many years that I had to build my confidence. And they say you're either building your own confidence up or you're killing it. And I had had several years of building my confidence up in certain areas. So I moved out of the house the day after I graduated from high school. And it was one of the best things that I could have done for myself because um for a lot of reasons. I but it gave me survival skills. I Um, it gave me, so I moved away to a different, uh, city about six hours away and I, um, wanted more. Okay. So I was tired of the struggle and I wanted more and I learned that I could as if I just asked for it. So, um, let me give you an example. I wanted a better job and I remember uh, Des Moines, by the way, I'm not in Des Moines anymore. I'm in Florida, but Des Moines is like what the third third largest um, city in the world for insurance. And you said your background was insurance. So I don't know if you knew that or not. And so there are a lot of insurance companies. So I just started applying for jobs in insurance and I got a job interview and felt completely unqualified for it. It was in the underwriting department, not as an underwriter, but an underwriting assistant for these nine underwriters. And I got the job, but I remember thinking to myself, how can I dress the part, look the part? And I remember wearing my glasses. How funny is that? I remember wearing my glasses because I had contacts at the time. And uh, I 
I remember thinking this will make me look smarter. And one of the, I had to type, I remember that I had to type a certain number per minute, you know, um, so I had to take that little test and then a lot of other tests and I got the job and I was so excited. And I remember my friends asking, how did you get that job? And I said, I just asked for it. And I thought, interesting that they think that somehow it was like I because I wasn't they didn't see me as qualified either. So they were right. mostly working in retail. And and so anyway, I at a young age worked for an insurance company and felt like a big girl. And so I had my, you know, health and dental insurance <laughs> and all the all the things that come with that. Um, but I I think what that did was it helped my confidence in a lot of ways. And I even considered getting an insurance license and selling insurance. And so it kind of opened up a world of seeing things a little differently. I worked with um, not just the underwriters, but um, I learned a lot about life insurance. But um, I also worked with the agents and saw them get pretty upset when they didn't get their, you know, something approved and get their commissions on time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So um, just a, a different angle. Um, there, but then I decided that it was boring. I remember wanting to go. And so I did get a degree in education and, uh, then had three kids in a short period of time and realized that I would only be giving, you know, going to work, taking my kids to a daycare only to be giving almost my whole paycheck to a daycare. And I didn't want to leave my kids anyway. I wanted to be with them. So I stayed home with them for about four years, almost five years and, um, went back, went into sales. And by the way, I worked throughout college and worked in sales. So being in sales, outside sales was the absolute best possible thing for me, um, for my business to be an entrepreneur. Uh, Ask for the sale, understanding, you know, delivery, understanding what it takes, how many people that you need to speak to in a day and all the many different systems that you need to set up for that. And then, you know, keeping that going and keeping the pipeline going, you know, (laughs) Yeah. And looking for your ideal clients, realizing they're not all ideal clients to have that can, you know, realizing that 20% or 80%, excuse me, 20% of your clients bring you 80% of your commissions or your sales, things like that, that I learned that I was able to bring over. So because I was in sales, I think it helped me become an entrepreneur because sales is very much like being an entrepreneur. Right. And it helped me make money right away in my business as an entrepreneur. So I actually uh, made six figures when I started the Moxie Entrepreneur. That was my first online business. When I started that, I realized that because I'd worked in TV advertising, I sold advertising, for instance, um, I knew that there was this transition happening big time with, because I sold 30 second TV ads for thousands and thousands of dollars for, you know, like eyeballs. (laughs) I wrote the commercial. Sometimes I was in the commercials and I realized YouTube is now here and eyeballs are free. And I'm thinking, do people understand what this means? So it was bigger than TV killed the radio star. Remember that song or quote? It was even bigger than that. And so, um, I thought I'm going to teach how to use this. And so that was my first program. My first program was $6,000 and I made sure they got 20,000 or more value out of it. So they got the website and they got how to use the website and then the list building component, how, how, and then copywriting, how to write, um, how to put your first product together, how to price it, how to promote it. And then um, they just got a lot 
for their money. So people would ask me, why did you start out with such a high number? And I said, money is relative, or, you know, so what $6,000 might sound a lot to one person and it's not to another. So I knew that that's what I, I needed to start with a higher ticket in order to pay my bills. But I also knew the value of what I was giving them, especially when I started selling the packages and getting um, consultations and, and vetting, being able to vet them and being able to hit my sales numbers, I realized this is really what I'm what I'm learning and teaching at the same time is so valuable that I could probably even charge more for this. Uh, so that's how I started my business. I started with a higher ticket um, product program and gave them a lot. So yeah, it, it definitely. Yeah, definitely. I've, I've seen definitely. a lot of high ticket, low value, and that mm-hmm. makes me sad because that's yeah. happening a little too much. It's happening too much. Yeah, it is. I've had a lot of experiences with that and invested in some programs where they promise you everything and you get in oh, there. And like, the lies. You know, yeah. I'm so tired of this trickery that's going on. It's it's so hurtful to the industry, the coaching industry. Mm-hmm. It's it's. Mm. Yeah. We, and we do have to like, you know, it's so important to know, like, and trust, right. And, and to gather the facts before you invest. And a lot of, uh, you know, with being a wealth activator, a lot of people are like, oh, I don't know if you can really do what you say. And it's like, it's all right. Hang out. Here's my free group. Listen to my podcast. And I totally know where you are because I've been through it and I've, you know, invested some programs with some coaches who promised the world. And then I yeah. mean, they show up on the calls with their two-year-old screaming in the background. And I'm like, um, you know, one of the things I always invested in is with sales because I'm not, it wasn't my forte. And mm-hmm. I'm always like, I'm not really good at sales. Let me hone in on this skill. How can I do it better? And, and you know, now I'm, I've gotten so much better since I started online in August of 20. But then I remember... I used to go door to door and knock on strangers door. Hi, I'm your new Avon rep in the area. Would you like to or brochure? Or are you interested in Avon products? Yeah. And I would have a conversation with them. And I realized that's what sales is. It's like, oh, <laughs> I can do that. Yes. But, um, you know, people really, um, I see this just in people posting and, you know, they will try to humiliate people that show up in their DMs and, you know ask them for a sale. And I, I actually don't do that, but I would never give someone a hard time for doing it either. Right. Right. Um, Probably because of my background. Right. I think there are, I think there are much better ways to do it, but it doesn't mean that that person should be disgraced because, because exactly. of it or, or shamed because I always just tell them, yeah, I get a lot of DMS where they're trying to sell me something. And on my website, I have uh seven money personalities. You can hop on and do the, the dating, the money dating game and meet the seven money personalities. So when I get a DM and I'm really not interested in what they have to offer, I mean, it's like, wow, you're like the money maker. You should check out the money dating game on my website. Ah, give so you cute. kudos. Yeah, I give you kudos for reaching out. Um, yeah. But Hugh, I'm not interested in your product. Best of luck to you. They're a human being. And you know, yeah. I'm sure I taught them to do it that way. And yeah, so lots of experience with that. When you, when you think about, so you started off with Moxie and then you've transitioned and how did you get into, you know, choosing the entrepreneur? Like, when did you feel safe to say, okay, I've made enough money in Moxie. Um, 
I'm going to start my next interview. Cause a lot of times, like with my audience, they're multi-passionate. They want to do all these things, you know, but one of the best advice I ever received from one of my coaches was focus on one thing until you hit a hundred K then start adding the yes. other yeah, the revenue stream because we do, we get so, you know, like, you know, being like, I run two businesses, you know, and I worked full time and had three, three different sources of income streams coming in. And so like, I'm a go, but get Like I like a lot of, you know, uh, a lot of fires going on, right? Yeah. But when you're starting off, especially entrepreneurs, like, you know, there's so many promises. Oh, you can hit six or seven figures in the first 30 days. Well, no, you can't. I'm sorry. There's, unless you got a gift that just comes supernatural and you've been doing this for a long, long time, you know, and you know, a lot of people, your audience has to be pretty huge, right? So a lot of entrepreneurs will be starting off and they'll be like, well, I don't really know how to sell my, you know, offer. And I have so many different, they get their tools confused with the results and they really don't know how to lay it out. So to have the ability to start this one business and then easily transition over, a lot of it has to do with finances. A lot of it has to do with the confidence. A lot of it has to do with just knowing the results that you have in order to be able to do this. So can you share with our audience? Like, yeah. So I took, I actually took some time off, but I um, started a company called Moxibod and I did some nutrition um, because I was going through perimenopause while I, let's see. So my early forties, so I started the Mox Entrepreneur and literally kind of went through peri- started perimenopause time. I wrote Unleash Your Moxie, um, mm. teaching about what it takes to put yourself out there. So richfitandhappy.com is my program, but I I wanted experts in those three pillars. Mm. When I started writing my book, I thought I'm writing a book about business. That was the intention. By the end of it, I thought I'm a lot of this is my stories but mindset, they're all centered around mindset. Thank you for having me on your show. Well, I love what you're doing and you're fascinating. And I I love your heart for the entrepreneurial world. And I know like when you start a new endeavor, the the sweat and tears that have to go into it and aligning with the right people so that you can continue that momentum, but having the multiple income streams coming in, you know, yes. well, you, you get to do what you love. And, you know, we all know that once you get to that point. So for all my multi-passionates out there, like you need to go listen to Crystal's podcast and connect with her. We have here a multi-passionate millionaire who has done multiple businesses. She's been an entrepreneur for several, you know, since she was a little girl. I mean, come on, let's face it, right? Kind you of, yeah. her too. And she's used all the tools that she has to create these beautiful love projects to help others to get to where. So recognizing that that root cause and going after it and building an income stream that's powerful, that's impactful. And you can get there too. Um, so you want to connect with Crystal, the link to her podcast, to her website, um, to her book will be in the show notes. Please give her podcast some love. Be sure to rate it. And you know, if you if you're in the position to be a guest on her show, I highly encourage you to do that. But really, if it's something that you're interested in learning more about what she's doing, definitely share um, this episode with your friends, with anyone you know that um, needs to hear what Crystal has to share. And as we part, Crystal, what words of wisdom can you give to our audience? Uh, uh, start. One of the things that I do is I, it sounds silly, but it's, it works and it'll work like a charm. If you can do it for 30 days, you'll see, I'll, it, it, you'll prove it to yourself. And that is write out every day, 
in the morning, start out your day with, with writing out whatever it is that you want. So have a list of about five, 10 things that you want. Go big. I say go big. And then start writing it about 10 times a day. So in the morning, having your coffee or whatever your morning is like, use have that as your routine. Then also visualize what you want or visualize it as if it's already happened. And then say it out loud throughout the day to yourself. You don't have to say it in front of others. They'll think you're crazy. That's okay. Just say it to yourself <laughs> and act as if you already have it. And you will literally start to transform and uh, draw the right people to you and transform your life from the inside out. You'll start. In fact, I do this all the time. And that's probably why I was able to draw some of these experts that I drew into uh, Rich Pitt and Happy as experts for, like, for instance, Marie, the hormone coach. I love that. I love that. Words of wisdom. And it's something I've been doing. I haven't written it out 10 times a day, but I set my intention. I usually do it on a 30-day basis. I set my intention for the month and every day I just focus on that intention. Yeah. And, and I really do. I've called out quite a few things. So I love the fact that you're writing it down in the 10 times yeah. So much. And remember, you know, ladies, action gets you the results. So, you know, connecting those thoughts, creating that feeling, and then taking the actions. What's your goal? Set the intention and try this practice, especially for that for you that love to journal. But even so, like sometimes I hear, oh, but I don't want to write 10 times. I don't have the time. Stop it with the excuses. Okay. Make time because you are worth it. You are your best asset. And I always like to say, if you don't like to write 10 times, record it 10 times because the more you hear your voice saying it, the more you're going to attract it. And it is, it's all the matter of that thought. So take the action with that. And remember when it comes to your finances, partnering with money is the key to multiplying money. And it doesn't matter how much you make, it's what you do with it. Hey, hey, thanks for tuning in. Be sure to rate the show. Give us some love. We would love your review. And remember, it doesn't matter how much money you make. It's what you do with it. And some words of advice, pay yourself first. Are you ready to partner with money? Go check out the money dating game at idatemoney.com and choose your partner. We hope you always get the date you want.